Okay, it's time to get into God's Word, and we are picking up in a third part in a series that we call Back to My Bible. This series is supposed to help help you just kind of get back in that frame of mind, in that emotional connection, and in that loyalty to your Bible. You have your own Bible, you have your pen and your highlighters, you have your notebooks, you have your engagement, you have your time set aside just to study God's Word. So let's get started. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this beautiful passage of scripture uh, that we have we have learned all our lives and we've been thinking about all our lives. But we want to go back to the basics and we want to remember how important scriptures are to us. All scripture is inspired. All scripture is profitable. And we want to uh, we want to make that the the foundation of our life. So that your word is the loudest voice in our heart, guiding, protecting, correcting, and uh, nurturing us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Once again, if you're new with us this morning and you don't have scriptures, scriptures will be on the screen so you can see that. But you can always uh, write to us or just uh, text us on the in the chat box to let us know and we can send you the notes. If you're a pastor or if you're leading a church and you want to preach this message, just let us know. We'd love to send you the uh, notes as well. These same notes are translated into Hindi by Pastor Justin Masih and he's preaching them at his church and he can uh, send you the Hindi notes as well and that can benefit you. Let's let's dive in here. You however continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned that. Okay it's on the screen let's do that again. You however continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of knowing of whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom which are able to give you wisdom and leads you to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus it's able to give you wisdom and it's able to lead you to salvation in Christ uh, uh, through faith then he goes on to this incredible passage in verse 16. He says, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness. How? So that the man of God may be adequate. So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped. The word equipped means trained, skilled equipped for every good work the word of god is not just about telling us what not to do the word of god is about telling us what to do so you have two very small uh, strong aspects of this passage of scripture one is it is inspired by god all scripture is inspired by god and number two all scripture is profitable for man the word inspired is that is is the concept of the wind filling the sails the wind filling the sails. So as the wind fills the sails, men, they, uh, they you know, control the sail to let the wind fill the sail and then it takes them in the direction that they want to go. So there was this beautiful partnership between the, the pen and the hand that wrote, the, the brush and the hand that drew and painted. So it was men being, being uh, um, uh, swayed by God, being led by God to write down truth. And then after men who uh, who copied it skillfully, carefully until 
you got what you have in your hand the bible in a relation in a version in a in a um, in a text form that is so easy to understand this is the work of god all along to write the word of god and do it through men but keep it intact and faithful and true so this is what we believe it is inspired by god and number 2 it is profitable for man god has blessed us with his wisdom for our lives god has desired to give us the wisdom of our lives so we have uh, taken this into four contexts and four uh, parts and today we're doing part 3 part 1 was he educates us it educates us for god's purposes educates us for the will for our lives his will for our lives number 2 it confronts us with uh, when we drift away when we move away from the will of god number 3 which is what we're looking at today it counsels us how to get back to our ways how to how to uh, how to restore the, the the deviated path that we have gone away from and of course the fourth one is it coaches us how to stay on track how it trains us to stay on track so on track so that we're celebrating four ways the bible enables us to live our lives successfully from god's perspective and this is why he has given us his word if you haven't heard the first and second part then you can go to our crimson channel it's called crimson on youtube you can go to the channel and you can quickly uh, catch up over there everyone needs guidance absolutely everyone in fact the bible says the secret to happiness is a god centered guidance a god centered god driven life this particular uh, message is entitled the bible counsels us back to successful living the bible counsels us back to successful living part 3 in the series that we are doing we all need guidance people say that i'm a self made man that's a lie nobody's a self made man people say that uh, you know i got here to, to where i am all on my own no you didn't that's the most arrogant statement ever everybody needs guidance everybody needs help everybody needs some sort of direction in their life and everyone is the product of good people or perhaps even uh, not so good people leading them and guiding them in directions that they have taken psalm 119 verse 24 let's look at a few passages of scripture your statutes are my delight they are my counselors Your statutes are my delight they are my counselors sometimes many of us want to uh want want to get advice or we want counsel from somebody but we forget that it's actually the bible that's the best counselor because the bible is inspired so the, ins- the inspired one the one who uh, who spoke through men the holy spirit is with you so you have the holy spirit living in you you have the word of god that's in your hand and when you open the bible the holy spirit who anointed and wrote that word in the first place picks up the words and cuts through your heart and tells you explains to you convinces you drives you leads you uh and 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 it assures you the holy spirit knows exactly what you want to do but he will not work outside the scriptures god will not operate outside his revealed word so until we have come to settle until we have come to uh to a, a a place in our life where we have understood that the bible is my greatest counselor we will keep looking in the wrong direction we will keep looking in the wrong places and we'll listen to voices that will confuse us and over the years you have heard too many opinions instead of the one only opinion that matters and not just an opinion 
the truth, the one who knows you, the one who loves you. Having known the word of God, then you can turn to people and science and everything else to see if it relates, if it, if it lines up with the word of God. First, we go to scripture. First, we go to God's word. Your statutes, David says, are my delight. They are like my counselors. Psalm 1 verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk according to the counsel, the leading, the guiding, the opinions of the wicked, or stands in the way of the sinners, or sits in the seat of the scornful or mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. He does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners. He doesn't sit in the seat of mockers, but he delights. He finds delight in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. In his law, he meditates day and night. What's going to be of a man like that? He will be like a tree planted alongside a river, river of living water. And this river of living water will nourish him and he will bring forth fruit in his season. I'm going to read that carefully. It's on your screen. Let's go slowly. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's the word of God. And his law, in his law, he meditates day and night. So he's thinking about it, staring at it, trying to figure out what it means to his life. He will be like a tree. He will be strong. He will be rooted. He will be grounded. And he'll bring forth fruit in season, in season, in season. That's the life of a person who's grounded in God's word. God always gives his word and he keeps his word. There isn't a person who can say that he's always known what to do. Every person wants and needs guidance. Whether it's a time of anxiety, even if it's a time of anxiety and you have sleepless nights, look at Psalm 16 verse 7. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. Or it's a time when you go through danger and you become vulnerable, vulnerable to hatred, vulnerable to harm. Look at this scripture, Psalm 32, verse 7 through to verse 10. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. That's verse 7. You are my hiding place. So when you're reading the scriptures and the scriptures come alive, you are able to respond spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, and even physically. You are able to go into the arms of God. You are able to understand his answers, understand his will for your life. You're able to uh, handle suffering. I didn't say understand suffering, but able to handle suffering much better because you're able to understand that God is your hiding place. We don't run from God during times of trouble. It's the scriptures that help us understand that. The more scripture in us, the more God's wisdom in us. I will instruct you, the Bible says, verse 8, and I will teach you the way in which you should go. I will counsel you and I will watch over you. Another better version says, I will guide you with my eye. Full attention. I will guide you with my eye. Look at verse 8. I will instruct you. And I will teach you how you should go. You will never be confused. I'll never let you be in a position where you don't know whether to go left or right, up or down. I will instruct you. I will teach you. If you will wait, if you will spend time in my presence, if you will give more attention to the word of God instead of the world, if you will, if you will trust <clears throat> that I have a word for you, 
I will teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you. I will lead you. I will guide you. I'll watch over you. Don't be stubborn. Where did that come from? Verse 9. And it's in the same context of this verse. Don't be stubborn. Don't be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled with bit and bridle, and they, have, or they won't come to you. Don't be stubborn like a mule. I, I'm just fascinated that he threw that in right there between verse 8 and verse 10. He says, I will instruct you, I will teach you, I will, be guide, I will guide you. Don't be stubborn. So that's the real problem. God already knows that. Verse 10 says, the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. The Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. Put your name there. The Lord's unfailing love surrounds Jeremy. It surrounds me when I trust in him. The Lord's unfailing love. Oh, here's another one. What about when we're desiring success? Does God guide us when we want success? When we need to pick the right deal, when we need to pick the right job, move in the right direction. What does God's word do? How does it help us when we desire success? Proverbs chapter 15 verse 12 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. When you're desiring success, when you're going through a hard time, when you're going through anxiety, when you're going through times of danger, when you're going through normal life and you don't know how to uh, how to negotiate the relationships, the people, the conversations, no matter where you stand, my brother and my sister, God's word is sufficient. God's word is sufficient. What we lack isn't the word of God, but is the patience to wait for God to get through to us. Because God will not hurry and God will not give you bullet points. He will not make it quick. He's not going to make you a quick Facebook or an Instagram uh, presentation so that it, he can catch you in your 15 seconds of attention. God will not play that attention game. He will wait and wait and wait and wait sometimes for years for you to go through all your tantrums and your roamings and your wanderings and your meanderings until you come sometimes to rock bottom and you come to him and you say, Lord, speak. I've heard everybody else. It's not working. Sometimes we need to understand that God, not sometimes, we do need to understand that God will not play uh, the time game with us. He waits and he wants us to have the patience to be in his presence. Many believers struggle with this. And only when they hit rock bottom, that's when they realize they need to go back to God's word. When you're a believer and you hit rock bottom, your rock bottom is the arms of God. Your rock bottom is the hands of God. And you find yourself in a good place. So I say, start with rock bottom. Start with where you are. Open God's word and say, Lord, before I do the entire round and come back here, before I lose everything, before I waste time, teach me your ways, O oh Lord. Lead me, guide me in the right paths for your name's sake. Give me wisdom. Help me to number my days. So let's get back into it. How is the Bible, God's word, 
the scripture able to lead us so effectively? Did you get that question? How is the Bible, God's word, the scriptures, how is it able to lead us so effectively? I take you to a very important scripture, very important part of the Bible. Okay, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and following. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and following. It's on your screens. For the word of God is living and active. Stop right there. The word of God, the words of God, the power of, of the communication of God, the revelation of God is living and it is active. Thousands and millions of books have been written. And those books are the culmination of, of life history, of biogra their biographies, autobiographies, science and research, stories and, and imaginations. But none of them have life within itself. The word of God has life within itself because it comes from the living word. The living word becomes the written word. When the written word enters you, you become a living word. You become part of who God's life and wisdom is. That's how he gives you life, by his word. He, by the power of his word, he spoke, he spoke the worlds into existence. And by his word, he sustains you and leads and guides you. For the word of God is living and active. Now he goes on to explain this word. He says it is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges it between even thoughts and motivations, even the thoughts and intentions. Are heard. We're talking, we're talking next level counseling. We're talking counseling and psychological guidance that is just next level. And without all the talk and the stories and the rehearsing and the and the he said, she said, the, the word of God just goes straight through. It just cuts right through. And you and your Bible, you're just there and you angels are watching. You're in the presence of God and the word of God just goes right through. It knows exactly what to tell you without wasting all those hours of explanation. The word of God is life, it's living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing the soul and the spirit. The soul and the spirit. What is the spirit? It is the life of God in you. It is the person you are who will live forever. It is the person you are who was born into existence when God spoke you into existence. In the moment that you were conceived, a spirit is born, a spirit is brought into existence and that spirit is going to live forever. But that spirit is given a body that body or soul is mind and emotions and will. So that's an earthly part of your experience, but that will drop to the ground and it will disintegrate to dust and the spirit will live on. He knows what is spiritual and he knows what is carnal. He knows what is emotional and he knows what is spiritual. He knows what is mental and he knows what is spiritual. He's able to divide the two and tell you, hey, forget that. This is the way to go. This is what you need to do. Nothing is hidden from him. Look at verse 13. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered. Everything is just laid bare before the eyes of you. When you go to God as the counselor, you don't have to tell the whole story. You don't have to worry about perspectives. You don't have to cover all the details. He knows everything is laid bare. There's nothing that he needs to research ever to get through to the problems, the concerns, the, the issues, the complexions of our life. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. In fact, everything is uncovered, laid bare before the eyes of him to whom one must give account. So we are not only going to be counseled by God, but we're going to stand before a God who already knows everything. There's not a single thing you can say or tell him that he didn't already know. 
So verse, 13, verse 14 says, Since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, who doesn't understand our experience, our human experience, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he managed to be without sin. So let us approach the throne of grace. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. Why? Because even though everything is uncovered, everything has again been covered. Because everything, even though everything is uncovered, the blood of Christ covers all our sin. We have a high priest who has not only fought for us and died for us, but lives to intercede for us. So when we walk in to the throne of God, the throne room of God, we have a friend, an ally in the flesh already there so that we may receive mercy. Verse 16 says, we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So let's begin to land this plane. Let's, let's conclude. In 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 21 says, God made life complete when I placed all the pieces before him. God made my life complete when I placed all the pieces before him. Gave them all. When I cleaned up my act, he gave me a fresh start. I want you to dwell on that verse. Stare at that verse. Meditate on that verse. God made my life complete when I placed all the pieces before him. Gave them all. When I cleaned up my act, he gave me a fresh start. Imagine a fresh start every morning with God's word. Imagine a fresh start every day. So when you come to God's word, you need to ask five questions. Are you ready to take notes? When you come to God, you need to ask five questions. Question number one. Does God have my worries? God, do you have my worries? The things that concern me, the things that bother me, the things that stress me out, the things that fill me with fear. Does God have my worries? Psalm 55 verse 22 says this. Give your worries to the Lord. And he will take care of you. He will never let good people down. Give your worries to the Lord and he will take care of you. Many of us want God to take away our worries before they become our worries. But God wants you to have some worries so that you can hand it over to him. So that you can realize how much he cares for you. It is a choice. It is a choice. But that's how I use the word of God. When I come to the word of God, I ask the question, does God have, does, does God have all my worries? Has he, have I handed over everything to him? Every piece of my life to him? Is there any area of my life that I'm worried about that I have not handed over to him? Am I living in the peace of God because I know God has handled it, he's taken care of it? Or am I living in, you know, in my own little world of stress? Let's put a second question in. Does God have my wrongs? Does God have my wrongs? First one was, does God have my worries? Second, does God have my wrongs? 
1 John chapter 1 verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, he will forgive our sins. Because we can trust God to do what is right. We can trust God to, to keep his word, to, to do what is right. He will cleanse us from all the wrongs that we have done. All the work that we have done that is against his will, outside of his purposes. Does God have my wrongs? Have I placed my sin in him? Has he placed it on the cross? Has it been covered? Has it been confessed up? Is there something I'm hiding? Is there some deliberate sinful thought pattern or emotional pattern or physical pattern that I am sticking to, hanging on to, not willing to give up? Does God have my wrongs? So when I come to God's word, that's the attitude. Does God have my worries? Does God have my wrongs? What about number three? Does God have my wounds? Does God have my wounds? Psalm 147 says, He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. You come to the scripture saying, Lord, I'm hurting. I need you to bind me up. I need you to treat my wounds. I need you to look after my, my hurts. It's paining, Lord. I'm struggling, Lord. I'm hurting God. When you come to the Bible, what, what, what is the attitude with which you come to? Do most of us just come to the Bible as a sign, as a, as a, you know, a attitude of duty? You'll feel guilty if you don't do it. Or do you come to the Bible with, uh, with the fear that, oh gosh, again, I'm going to feel guilty now because there's some, some sin I'm so not supposed to do. Or what do you come to read? Do you come to the Bible as some old prehistoric book that's not going to be relevant to your life? We need to repent of all of those wrong and misguided perspectives and come to scripture knowing that God loves us and wants to heal our wounds. And through scriptures, we will find heal, healing. Talk to other believers. They'll tell you how God's word has sued up, uh, stitched up their open wounds, how it has covered them up, how it has bound them and helped them to move on. Does God have my wounds? Question number four, does God have my weaknesses? Does God have my weaknesses? 2 Corinthians 12 verse 8. I begged the Lord three times to take this problem away from me. Paul is talking to the Corinthian church and he said, you guys think you've got it rough. I've had something in my life, a thorn in the flesh that God has allowed in my life. It's a weakness and I, and, and I struggled with it. It always poked me in the side and it always reminded me that I am human, frail, broken, vulnerable, irritable, and God never took it away from me. He kept me humble by it. But I've handed it over to God because I want to be used anyway. Does God have my weaknesses? And finally, does God have my wishes? Does God have my wishes, desires, dreams, demands, wants? Does God have my wishes? Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10 says, His purpose was that through the church, all the rulers and powers in the heavens, in the heavenly world, will now know God's wisdom, which has so many forms. It is multifaceted, multi-faced. His purpose was that through the church, all the rulers and purposes in the heavenly places will now know God's wisdom, which has so many forms. God has purposes and I have wishes. And until I put his purposes first, until I know, put his wishes first, God desires that you and I, God desires that the church 
live for the purposes of God and that we put on display the wisdom of God in front of all of the heavenly hosts that God looks that that angels look on us and they see how God has worked in our life how God has proven his strength his 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 wisdom in our lives there are, there is a pathway there is a wisdom there is a there is a life that god has designed and scripted for you it's not a life that says no to fun it's not a life necessarily that says no you can't have this and you can't have that and you've got to be poor or you've got to go this way or you've got to marry no it's not a it's not in the carnal realm it's in the it's in the global uh it's in the spiritual realm not global it's in the spiritual realm it's in the eternal realm that god wants us to be on display for his wisdom so what if my wishes are in line or not in line with god what do i do with that as i come to scriptures i realize oh man that wish i've been entertaining that wish list that i've been keeping that's not in line with god so i hand my wishes over to god I said lord i don't know this is what i've been wanting i've been wanting to do this or do that marry this one or not i've been wanting to go in this direction or not whatever your situation is in your life you hand that wish over to god and say lord i don't know if this is in line with your will i don't know if this is good for your purposes if it if it aligns it with your purposes will your purposes still be able to be manifest through me will the heavens still be fascinated with the wisdom of god as they look at my life if i keep on with these particular wishes you see what i'm saying you and i think that the will of god is tuck 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 black and white go this way don't go off feel guilty get back no there are broad purposes and within those purposes there's so much god can accomplish through your life and through my life but here's what god wants you to do he wants you to take those wishes and run it through the wisdom of god run it through the sieve of god's mind and as god takes it he sanctifies it and a lot of the times he gives it right back to you and when you have your wish take it from me when you have your wish that comes from god and god grants your wish god grants you the permission to have what you've been wanting your joy is complete hitherto have you asked nothing in my name ask that you may receive that your joy may be complete so far you have asked nothing in my name it is a glory to god that God answers your prayer when you ask in my name. So you understand what God is trying to do. He's trying to elevate Christ. He's trying to glorify Christ. What is God trying to do in your life? He's trying to make big of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus did that one thing for you. Jesus bent for you. Jesus died for you. Jesus humbled himself for you. So God's plan for your life is not a way a purpose who to marry what to do which way to go what colors to wear god's plan is that jesus look good in your life that jesus be exalted jesus be adored through your life that the life and the love and the and the longings of christ be put on display through your life that's what god wants and why does he want that why does he want jesus to look good to be glorified to be praised to be exalted in your life because he deserves it for what he did for god the father and that is bring you back to him so god wants to reward jesus for bringing you back to him by 
you doing what he wants, which is to glorify Christ. It's as simple as that. Go marry whoever you want, but run it through God first. Buy whichever car you want, run it through God first. Pick whichever career you want. Those are not the will of God. God's will is that Jesus should shine through you. And when you've got that right, you can drive forwards, backwards, fast or slow. Nothing really matters. That's the center of God's plan. Does God have my wishes? His purpose was that the church and all the rulers in the world, the powers of the heavenly realms would see God at work in us. Let's close in prayer. Lord, I want your word to be my greatest counselor. Lord, I want your word to be my greatest counselor. I'll, I'll ask my father and ask my mother. I'll talk to my spouse. I'll talk to my friends, my colleagues. I'll even Google it. Lord, but I want your word to start my day. I want your word to be the loudest voice in my life, my greatest influence, my guiding force. And for that, I need to spend time in your word. I need to get comfortable with the language of the word. I, want, I need to be comfortable with the fact that I am not the center of the word, that it doesn't talk about me and my pathetic, small, self-centered life. It has bigger narratives. It has bigger stories. It has bigger purposes. And that I can, be, can find meaning in that meta-narrative. I can find meaning in that eternal story, his story, history. Oh God, I want your word more than I want anything else. I want your voice more than I want any other sound in my life. And I want your wisdom more than I want any wishes in my life. Lord, I want your word to be my greatest counselor, my greatest influence and my guiding force. And I'm committed, Lord. I'm committed to building a relationship with the word that's just your word and me so that I know your mind. I want to know your mind. I want to know your heart. And I want my mind and my heart to align with you. It's not going to happen without the word. It doesn't happen from sermons or podcasts. It doesn't happen from going to church or Bible studies. It happens when I open the word and that sword points straight at me. And I go with confidence into the word of, into the presence of God, asking you to do your work in my life. And as you cut through the thoughts and intentions, the motivations and the, the thoughts of my life, Lord, find and root out any way of bitterness within me. Search me, try me, see if there be any wicked way in me. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Renew a right spirit within me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Lord bless you. If you don't have a Bible, buy a Bible. Buy a Bible that's got a version that's understandable, that's relevant, that's easy to read. Get highlighters, get pens, get a notebook that is for 2021 and journal your journey with Jesus. God bless.